up y'all and welcome to another episode of worldly church girl it's your girl your host lillian harshaw on today's show i have the honor of introducing to you her worship leader pastor the author of becoming unfamous and the co-author a book that he written with his wife this is how we do it making your marriage a masterpiece and you probably know better as the 90s hip-hop R&B singer. But today, he's bringing joy to us in a different light. So it gives me honor to introduce to you, Pastor Montel Jordan. People may or may not know that you grew up in a Baptist church, but do you have a memory that stands out the most in your uh, childhood at your church? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I grew up in South Central Los Angeles, California, went to Carver Missionary Baptist Church on the corner of 51st and Hoover. You know, most of the, you know, the mothers of the church and the deacons and everybody, it was like a family affair. You know, church for me growing up was kind of like a family reunion where every single week, you know, your your mom's over the choir and your, your godmom's over this choir and my uncle's the head of the deacon board. And so, you know, we eaten after church. It's like every single weekend was a family reunion. So I would, I would say one of the, the biggest memories I probably have of, of growing up uh, was uh, when I decided to get baptized as a kid uh, and didn't really know what I was doing. But it was just basically because, you know, other people were doing it and I had watched people do it for so long. I was like, well, shoot, I don't want to be left out. So I, I went to get baptized uh, but didn't really know what it was about or what I was doing. And the best way I can explain it is I grew up in church, but a lot of times the church wasn't in me, you know, just because I knew all the technical things to do in church as a church kid, as a church musician. But I, I tried to keep a, a distance of the whole spiritual side, you know, of uh, of growing up in church and definitely growing up Baptist. I was able to kind of draw some lines in the sand of, what I would and what not do. It's funny you say that because me and my best friend, we grew up in a Pentecostal church. Like most kids, even PK, especially PK kids, the closer you are in church, the further we run away from church when we get older. So when we was in the club, we would see people who would recognize us from our church and they'd be like, oh, you go to such and such and such. Uh, We were like, hold up. We go to church. We're not in church. There is a difference. Yeah. So don't don't put that though. Don't be looking at us like, oh, y'all ain't right. No, we're not in church. We just go to church. (laughs) Yeah. I I remember I would be sitting on the piano. We were, we were child musicians. So I would sit on the piano and we would do the A and B selection from the choir and then Mm -hmm. take up the offering, do the C selection. And then when the pastor got up there to start his message, I would, sneak off the piano out the side door and then me and my boys would walk down to the corner liquor store uh and buy the chili fritos you know we wouldn't do no liquor now because we was kids but we would buy candy with the money from sunday school and everything and then by the time we walked back down the street you know i kind of knew my pastor's timing and then by the time he was "Mm, i think i feel my help coming on (laughs) i'd be right back up on the piano ready to ready to follow him and so uh, yeah, I was in church, but church wasn't in me a lot of times. Do you remember your first sermon that you preached? Yeah, the first official sermon I preached wouldn't be until probably 
shoot, I was probably 40 something years old. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm 51 now. Uh, so I was always in church and, you know, they gave you little things to do for vacation Bible study, Bible school. And but probably the first time I put together a message and delivered a sermon was at the young adult uh, ministry uh, at Victory Church, probably, you know, definitely probably about 10, 11 years ago. Do you remember the topic? Uh, yeah, it was called Can I Get a Witness? <laughs> the, the the story of it was, you know, people would, would preach, you know, and say, you know, Moses parted the Red Sea. Can I get a witness? Mm -hmm. uh, he stood there, lifted up his hands. Can I get a witness? <laughs> they walked on through on dry land. Can I get a witness? And then I would say, no, <laughs> no, you, you can't get a witness because in order to witness something, you had to be there. And so Amen. for me, it was a thing of a lot of people were talking about what happened back then. So it was a no, I can't tell you how Moses parted the Red Sea, but I can't tell you how Jesus parted, you know, this situation in my life. And I was able to come through on the other side. You know, I, I, I wasn't there to see the Hebrew boys, you know, going to the fiery furnace. But I know in my life, there was times I should have been burnt up and I came out not smelling like smoke. And so right. I just kind of paralleled taking biblical stories, but saying if you can't make them practical and applicable to our lives, that, you know what I'm saying, you could be missing something. And it's funny because most of the time when people hear all that, can I get a witness, they don't even know what the preacher's even talking about. Oh, it just sounds good. If it tickles yeah. the ears. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> you know, what did he pass the show preach today? What did he preach about? I don't know, but he preached. <laughs> and so, that's not to, that's not to that's not to knock stylings and creativity and, and really the artistry side of of what pastors do to try and keep people listening. I think the the adjustment, at least for me, was uh, to not just get people to listen to you, but to get people to hear you. Because there's a difference in listening and hearing. Uh, you can you can listen to a song and not hear the words. You know what I mean? You can mm -hmm. listen to a, a pastor and not hear God. Uh, lis listening is what you do with your ears. Hearing is what you do with your heart. And so I had to get more of a teaching style than a preaching style uh, to develop my desire for people to actually hear and be transformed than to just listen and be entertained. Now, when you got your calling and you knew without a shadow of doubt that this is what you were supposed to do, how big of an adjustment was that for you? It was hard for me when, when God called, you know, some people, they've been waiting for God to, to call. Them. When God called me, I was mad. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I was like, no, I was like, you know, I, I grew up hearing, you know, the old mothers in the church and pastors wives would say, boy, you're going to preach one day. Boy, you got a call on your life. And I'd be like, yeah, I don't know about all that. But okay, you know, I was waiting to hear a voice from heaven come and say, Monto, come to the ministry, you know, and I didn't hear that. So uh, so I, I took a long route. You know, I didn't go to seminary for my studies. I went to cemetery, uh, which was the music business, uh, to get my, my biblical instruction and my life uh, ministry experience. And I think just the... When I finally was called to ministry, and my wife was called to ministry before me, 
Uh, and I was like, cool, you know, you know, do you, I'm gonna go ahead and get this money and, and do the R and B thing and, and go provide, be the provider. And so when God finally called me, it was at a time when I was about to drop a new album. I got a little TV show called Mon television. Like I was ready to, to try and blow up all over again. And the Lord was like, nah, we're not doing this again. And I was like, you, you know, well, you didn't brought me out of the pit. You restored my marriage. You know, now I, I love you and I'm doing this for you. So let, you know, let's go. And then he was like, nah, we're not going, we're not going to do it this way. So he restored everything, but then didn't let me come back the way I thought I was going to come back. And he told me that I needed to lay down my life and that he would give me double for my trouble. And that was something that, you know, I didn't receive wholeheartedly. Like, I don't know anything else, you know, other than to get out here and sing. I don't know anything else than to, you know, to do this music thing and tour and, and all of that. And so when the Lord called me, like, I was like, I don't want to, but you're going to do what you want to do anyway. So I might as well go ahead and, and just, and just do it. So that's how I went into ministry. Literally when I took a job at the church, a little to, to be, uh, the worship pastor at victory. The first day I walked into my office, there was a, a license on my desk and I called human resources immediately. It said, it said, Pastor Montel Jordan. And I called human resources. I said, hold up. I said, somebody made a mistake. And they said, what, what, what's the mistake? I said, there's a license here on my desk that says pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm a worship leader. I was hired to be a worship leader. They said, no, we didn't, we didn't hire you to be a worship leader. You were hired to be a, a worship pastor. I said, no, I'm not a pastor. Uh, I, I was hired to be, the, I'll, I'll lead worship and I'll sing, but I'm, I'm not a pastor. No, the, the worship leader position is a pastoral position. And I fought with them because I was like, I'm going to do this. But I went into ministry kicking and screaming, honestly. And it took me a long time to really receive the call of, of pastorship over my life and, and to understand what a joy and a privilege it is uh, to be called pastor. I've read your book, I don't know how many times. And there's a part in your book where you say um, there's a difference between being talented and being anointed. Yeah. I want you to break that down. There are people who are talented and there are people who are anointed. And basically, talent is what you can do with the gift God gives you. Anointing is what he does with the gift that he gave you. So for me, the perfect example is uh, I am a talented piano player, uh, meaning if I play the piano and I practice, I get really, really good at it. When I don't play the piano and I don't practice, I am very, very bad at it. I am not a good piano player at all because it's based on what I can do with that gift. Now, whereas a songwriter, I'm an anointed songwriter because it's not something I have to work hard at. It's just something that it's not even something that's me, but it's God working through me with the gift that he gave to me. So I can sit down to somebody else playing the piano and I can hear a melody, I can hear a harmony and immediately words start to come and to formulate in thoughts and processes. And I don't have to work at it. I don't have to do a songwriting course. I don't have to, I don't get the, the blank page or, or the, the, the writer's block. Like I'm able to sit down because it's not me. And I think a lot of people, if they understand what they're talented at and what they're anointed at, uh, they would be better uh, using the gifts that God have given to them because a lot of people can't stay in their lane. You know, a lot of folks, you know, want to, you know, they want to be singing and, and they're not supposed to be singing because that's not their talent. 
but they mm-hmm. can be anointed writers or they can be anointed arrangers. They can be anointed people to sing harmony or background, but maybe the singing, it may not be the lane that's supposed to be in. So I just say you want to know the difference in what you're talented in and know the difference in what you are anointed in because that's the, the simple explanation is the, the talent is God gives you a gift and whatever you do with that gift makes you either more talented or less talented. When God gives you the gift, but you let him use it through you, that's anointing. And why do you think we run away from God's anointing? Because we're out of control. Basically, we, we run from, from the anointing because we realize it's not us. Listen, I would be in writing sessions with incredibly you know, talented, very famous artists, I'm writing and we're, we're vibing and the Lord will drop a word down in me and I'll say a word in the session and everybody in the room will go, Ooh, that's dope. And I'll be like, that was not me. I'm not that good because literally I have to, my part in it is to yield the control. I got to sit in the passenger seat. Uh, and I have a cousin who says to me, you know what I'm saying? When, when, when he's driving and you're trying to give direction and he's driving, he said, you in the passenger seat? I say, yeah. He said, well, passenger. <laughs> that's what that's what anointing is. Anointing is passaging. It's allowing God to drive, you being there in the vehicle to be used to go wherever he needs you to go, but allowing yourself to passage while he is, you know what I'm saying, he's doing the driving. So that's the best way, you know what I'm saying? I, I think when people feel like they have to be in control, I have to be the one that's doing it. I want the accolades for it. I want the credit for it. Uh, then that's when you move out of God's anointing into your own talent, you know, uh, your own talent and skill set. Whereas, you know, when you allow God's anointing, it's not something that you work, that you work for, it's you work from it. Do you remember the first time you felt God's anointing? The first time I felt God's anointing, I was at a four square church in Los Angeles, California, and I was at a youth revival. Uh, on the corner, I want to say La Brea and Crenshaw. And uh, it was a four-square church. Bishop Clarence E. McClendon was the pastor there. And it wasn't even there that it took place, but it was at a youth revival and a bunch of choirs from all over the city was there. And I had been used to having really cool religious experiences at my church. And I was at my church because I was brought up in my church and you were supposed to stay in your church. And I had relationship in my church with people, but I didn't have a relationship with God in my church. And Mm -hmm. I went to that, that revival and these choirs were singing and the pastor was speaking. And when he was speaking, I was overwhelmed. And I was like, Oh my God, I feel like God is speaking to me right now. But I felt like I cannot reject my own church though. Even though I feel like the call of God, like calling me forward to, to, to receive him, but that can't be him because my church is where I'm supposed to be. And so I ran from that feeling too, just out of the respect factor or out of loyalty to my church. Um, isn't that crazy that I would miss a, a move of God because of loyalty to my church? That's what we do. Yeah. We, the but fear of what everybody else thinking. Yeah. I was, I was a teenager when that happened because I was brought up in my church and I love my pastor and I was loyal to my church me visiting this other church and answering an altar call uh, would have been seen as as betrayal in, mm-hmm. in my in my eyes as a kid. Well, at least you did it for that reason. I remember the first time I felt the Holy Ghost. 
I started speaking in tongues and I literally covered my mouth. I was like, I don't want this yet. I still want to hit these streets. I'm not ready. My yeah. mama was so mad at me. She said, girl, she said, God was all over you. I said, I know it. I'm just not ready yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have lots of friends who are very, very successful business owners, entrepreneurs who see me as a pastor and even from a distance. And they'll say, hey, you know, one day I'm going to have you come and baptize us. You go baptize the whole family. We're just not ready yet. They feel like the success and everything that they have it in the world, that they can't have that and have Jesus too. And so that's a mindset that, that they've had. It's a mindset that I've had in the past that, you know, I, I, I'm not ready, God. I got to get right first. And because mm -hmm. I'm not ready to get right, you know, just be merciful and have grace on me to be able to do what I want to do. And I'll come to you later. Yeah. Let me get all this out of my system first. Yeah. So you have a new single out on your uh, latest uh, album masterpiece called When I'm Around You, featuring yeah. Lecrae, who's doper than dope, mind you. What was your inspiration for that song? Uh, inspiration for that song and for the album itself was uh, my wife and I, we do marriage ministry together. And uh, a lot of times when we would be, you know, it's easy for me to be Montel Jordan and try and reach people outside the church because they know me from this is how we do it. But inside the church, more people know me as Montel Jordan outside the church than people in the church know me as a pastor. So in that journey to do conferences and speaking engagements on marriage, a lot of times churches weren't comfortable bringing outside music into a ministry setting. And so, you know, I'm doing a date night and I'm trying to throw on the John Legend. I'm doing a date night and I'm trying to throw, you know, get these couples in the right mindset to talk about the intimacy and talk about taking divorce off the table. But it's, it was hard for me to just be playing, you know what I'm saying, the, the Smokey Norfolk and the Kirk Franklin and then try and come in and talk about intimacy. I determined that God was giving me a soundtrack for marriage ministry. And it was a soundtrack uh, that was R&B and hip hop music from the heart of a guy who loves Jesus. And I understand friends, friends of mine, like Fred Hammond did a, a, a love album. And I know Bishop T.D. Jakes did a love album. And the difference is those were not R&B artists uh, who started doing gospel. Those were gospel preachers and artists who stepped into the R&B field. I had the opposite experience. I came from the R&B hip hop world and I stepped into ministry. So it's seen a little differently from me doing an R&B album because people used to be doing R&B albums. But it's the R&B album from the standpoint of a man who loves Jesus, who loves his wife, who loves his family, who loves the church. There's nothing controversial about the album. There's nothing uh, that is uh, over uh, uh, sensual. Uh, it's just a hot fire album. And it's an R&B hip hop album, but it just glorifies God through my relationship with my wife and through my family. And also to help people go through, go there too with their, their marriage. Yeah, absolutely. And so when we go do a conference or we do a date night, you could play the Montel album and, and a pastor can't get mad because I'm talking <laughs> about God. I'm talking about the value of women. I'm talking about you know, biblical a song can't go to bed mad. You know, I'm giving you scripture. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. You know, I take it and I translate that. You know, don't go to bed mad. We made a promise. It's something we said we, we wouldn't do. Can't go to bed mad. I do whatever it takes to be back in my place by you. Baby, we should just make up because we're for fighting. We can't make love. And I'd rather do that than go to bed mad. 
you know, and so just finding clever ways to reach the lost uh, and to be able to let folks in the church know that I have the sensibilities uh, of of the Holy Spirit and Christianity to be uh, to to put some worm on that hook to be able to reach the lost where they mm-hmm. at. Yeah, it's kind of hard to have a candlelight dinner listening to um, Mighty Clouds of Joy. Kind of hard it's to hard. do that. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> now, your marriage ministry that you and your wife started, which has been actually around for a while now, but it's really fitting for what's going on right now with the rise of uh, domestic violence. How can people find out more about that? Well, um, my wife and I, we have... a. Uh, nonprofit 501c3 called Marriage Masterpiece Incorporated. Uh, they can find out more about it at montelandkristen.com. That's M-O-N-T-E-L-L-A-N-D-K-R-I-S-T-I-N, montelandkristen.com. Uh, and we are uh, an official 501c3. Uh, we give to charities, which are uh, the Special Olympics of North America and St. Jude's Hospital. Uh, and we are speakers we're teachers ultimately our goal is to see men and women reconciled to jesus because when a man and a woman can be reconciled to jesus they can be reconciled to each other our biggest bent is taking divorce off the table that if divorce is an option for you you got too many options Uh, and from that standpoint uh we use the platform of artistry we use concerts tours date nights speaking engagements weekend uh, uh, speaking uh, at people's churches, boot camps, conferences. We have resources, written a book. We have a, a eight-week curriculum for small groups that you can do as a couple uh, or as a, a small group uh, together of couples. We do a marriage, a small group on Wednesday nights that we host uh, uh, on a Zoom with couples that we met online uh, that we, we uh basically took in from our Friday night couples quarantine that we've been doing every Friday night at 9 p.m., which basically started because as the world shut down, uh, God just put on our hearts to, uh, if you you can't get to the people, a lot of people to come to you, I'll bring them to you. And so uh, we started every Friday night doing a couples quarantine. This upcoming week uh, will be our seventh couples quarantine where we'll do anything from quarantine clean where we dress up on a Friday night or two weeks from now we're doing uh, 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 fundamentals, fundamentals. And we're going to be talking about keeping your marriage fun and keeping your mental sanity during this time of quarantine. So we find topics uh, we think that are relevant to what God is speaking to marriages today. And like you just said, uh, families are fractured right now because you can't escape to your, to your job right now. If you and your wife or your, you and your husband are going at it right now, uh, you got to sit there in it. Uh, and you are, you are there in each other's proximity, in each other's space. Uh, and if you are not very intentional about working through things, then you are finding that getting over it or getting around it is not enough because it is still there. You got to get through it in order for God to, to bring resolve to it. And so domestic violence is up right now. Pornography is up right now because... Uh, God has pushed pause on the world so that he can reset uh, the church. I think this is a time of revival. And you notice, Lillian, the, the church has been saying, we're ready for revival. We want revival. And don't recognize it when it when it shows up. We are in revival right now. How we mm-hmm. do church is being revived right now. How we are doing 
ministry is being revived right now. We're learning that the church is not a building, it's people. And if you take the building away, are people, are we still the church right now? And so we're in the midst of revival. And I hope that uh, churches are getting revived through this time and that uh, marriages are being revived uh, at the same breath, or at least are in the process of being revived. Now, what are the three things that you would like to do in your ministry that you haven't done yet? Uh, I would love to, well, part of what we want to do is we want to see a million marriages reached. Uh, and we have a place on our website uh, that allows for people to share their story and commit to, to, to signing a, a document that says that they, they commit to, to never put divorce on the table as an option for them. To me, we want to see a million people do that. I'd love to see more than a million, but the million is where we're starting. That's one of the things that I want to do. I want to see a million people that are willing to write the vision and make it plain that they, that a divorce is not an option for them. Uh, I would also love to have the opportunity uh, to speak uh, internationally. My wife and I to host a conference or to do something on a scale where people outside of our country can come uh, just to see the how vast our God is and that he translates uh, the word of God into any language, into any marriage, into any part of the world. Uh, and maybe that's just a dream of mine, but you know, with COVID-19 and everything and with travel and the way things are, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but you know, it may be that I'm thinking of trying to reach a, a room full of 20,000 people or 30,000 people, but you know, you might be able to reach millions online and have a bigger audience, you know, in that way. And so it's not about the size of the audience. I think it is about, uh, people knowing the size of the God that I serve, though. Uh, and then the third thing that we haven't done uh, that I think we would like to do uh, is to, um, that's a good question. I, I, I'm thinking through it right now. And honestly, <laughs> uh, I don't know what the third thing would be that we that we haven't quite done yet. But uh, if I think about it over the next couple of seconds, I'll let you know. You know what? A movie would be a good one. Uh, yeah. You got a heck of a story. Like I said, I read your book a few times and I recommend that to anybody who grew up in church, ran away from the church and the yeah. Lord drug you back. Well, the funny, funny thing about the book is and there, there are two books. We did our marriage book called This is How We Do It, Making Your Marriage a Masterpiece. That's the marriage book. And then as we were launching out to do marriage ministry, a lot of people were like, yo, this is quality information for marriages but how did you go from being an r&b recording artist to a pastor giving information on marriage and so i went back and rewrote or i should say i went back and wrote my autobiography uh which is becoming unfamous the journey from how we do it to how he do it which was released first but actually it was written second you know it was to bridge the gap between montel the r&b recording artist to montel becoming a pastor so the people would have the backstory of why my wife and I are doing marriage now. I think it shook the world when it happened. No one, nobody was ready. And, and, and I hate to say it, some people, and I hate to say this too, mainly church people were the main ones that didn't want to accept it. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, that's, that's to this day. And, and it's okay. I mean, it's, it hurts, but it's, but it's okay. Right. Uh, I can't remember who's, who said the song. It's not right. Whit Whitney said it's not right, but it's okay. I'm going to make it anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I've never really gotten a lot of flack or a lot of drama from people not in the church uh, because they are who they are. They're they doing what they're supposed to do. You know, mm -hmm. it's the church that has always had the, the side eye 
or the cynical standpoint, uh, I don't know if this is real or I don't feel that in my spirit, you know, they've always had that. And so, you know, it's the same thing right now, which is interesting that, you know, in the quarantine, you know, the Bible says that, that Christ, you know, with the God, you know, he leaves the 99 to go after the one, you know, and when I hear that, I can't remember who was saying it, but a pastor was basically sharing that uh, church is not opening back up right now. Uh, it's not the one that's out there saying open up the church. It's the 99. Mm-hmm. The 99 are the ones that are complaining. We need to be able to come back to church. We need to be able to get back to our We need to do this or that. And the one that lost is still out there, but we're so interested in getting back to the 99 it's an opportunity to go after the one right now yeah i truly believe that that's a part of my story and uh you know it's it's all good because i know what i was called to do i play chess not checkers uh, and i understand um that you you have to sacrifice certain pieces uh to be king come on now and you know what i learned i learned to play check i mean chess when i was a little girl so you better say that and I, my daughter is eight. She just turned eight years old on Friday, Samantha, and she loves playing chess. And I sit down with her and I'm explaining to her what every piece does. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt like, you know, if for people that don't understand the game of chess, that for, for you and I that do, you will understand that there is royalty. You know, you got bishops and kings and knights. They're, they're royalty. And then on the front lines, you have these things called pawns. And your pawns are supposed to be strategically positioned and moved to make advances so that your royalty can make advances. And I've been a pawn. I've been on the front lines. And sometimes when you're on the front lines, you will strategically know you are putting your pawn in harm's way for the advancement of the royalty that's coming behind you. The one thing that you never see happen in chess, though, you never see a pawn's own pieces come from behind him and take him out. And that's the difference between chess and the church, because in the chess, in chess, your pawn, when you're moving pawns to, to strategically make advances, your pieces can't take you out. But in the church, you can be a pawn and be moved to make advances for the kingdom, and your own pieces will take you out. Mm-hmm. That's a word right there. I, yeah, it is. It, but that's a word right there. Shoot, you can make me bring out my chessboard just so I can think about what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give someone who is torn between their spirit man and their flesh? Yeah, I mean, because uh, we all, even when we're functioning in our spirit and worshiping in spirit and in truth, we still can always have tendencies to lean back toward our flesh. Um, I think that the, the biggest challenge is um, that our flesh is not eternal, uh, but it's the present thing that we can look at and feel. And eternity is the thing that we know is there and we long for, but we can't see it. And so because of that, because faith requires us to have um, uh, to look for the substance of things that are hoped for and, and this evidence of things that are not seen, uh, we have to go beyond what we can see with our normal flesh. So for someone that is torn between what I'm seeing and feeling right now and what is actually the reality, uh, which is eternity, um, I think it's just a daily reminder. It's a reminder for us all, saved and unsaved, uh, is that we are, uh, 
a lot of people thinks that thinks that we are humans uh, who have spiritual uh, experiences when uh, are human beings having spiritual experiences when actually we're spiritual beings having a human experience. I, I, can I say that again? Yes, um, you can. Yeah, I think a lot of people think we're human beings and we have spiritual experiences, but we're actually spiritual beings having a human experience. This body won't last. And so when I'm spending time with my eight-year-old daughter and I think I never want to leave her, I never want to leave her, that's a human reaction. That's a human feeling. That's a human desire. But really, I'm not going to be here forever, nor will she. In eternity, I'll be with her forever and I'll be with the father that created me. And so I have to tap into my spiritual being to understand that I appreciate this human experience and I love it. But it don't stop here. We're in the trailer and the movie hasn't started yet. So I think that's just a reminder, hopefully, that people that are putting too much, uh, relying too much on this human experience will be severely let down when they realize that this was just an appetizer. And if you fill up on appetizers, you really miss, you know, what I'm saying what, what comes with the with the meal. Mm, you're going to miss the main course and mostly the dessert. At yeah, the end. Come on. Come on. What is the best advice you ever got? Uh, I think it was uh, from Maya Angelou who said, when people show you who they really are, believe them. Amen. That, that was it for me. When people show you their real self, when they show you who they really are, believe them. Now, when I believe them, it doesn't mean that I still can't look for the best in them, even when I'm seeing the worst of them. But at least I know that I'm not fooling myself. And I know what it is. You know, there's this story, you probably heard it before, where the scorpion is trying to get across the, the river and the, he asked the frog, hey, won't you let me hop on your back because I can't swim. Let me get, and just take me across the river. And the frog said, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you're a scorpion. You, you'll kill me and, uh, and, and I'll die. And the scorpion is like, why would I kill you? You know, because if I, if I kill you, then we'll both drown. And the frog is like, yeah, that makes sense. And so the scorpion hops on the frog's back. The frog hops in the, in the river, starts going halfway across the river. The frog feels this stinging sensation in the middle of his back. And he realizes the scorpion has stung him. And as they start to sink, he goes, why would you do that? Now we're both going to drown. And the scorpion says, I'm a scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I do. I'm, I'm sorry. It's what I do. So I think that's the best advice I ever got was uh, when someone shows you who they who they really are, believe them. Uh, but then after you believe them, you can also believe that God has the ability uh, to take who somebody is and turn them into who he desires them to be. Amen. Now, what's next for you? What do you have in store? What's going on for Montel and Mrs. Mrs. Jordan? Yeah, we are. Uh, doing something right now called Marriage Masterpiece Academy, which is an online year-long course that we're putting together to help uh, develop leaders, marriage leaders, facilitators of helping other marriages. Uh, and it's uh, a curriculum that we're developing for almost like a, an online college, if you will, for, for, marriage, for married couples. Uh, and we have some amazing people who have partnered with us to come along and help us teach some of the courses uh, John and Lisa Bevere and uh, uh, Ted and Nancy Lowe and 
like some heavy hitters in the ministry world have agreed to come alongside us and help us uh, to help couples uh, stay married forever. Uh, and so that's what we're working on now. And I feel like God pushed pause on all our touring and speaking uh, for us to develop the curriculum uh, and to be able to get caught up on what he wants to do next. So it, it won't be all about we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. We can be able to sit still and watch our son uh, graduate next year and, and be able to be mothers and fathers and grandparents uh, and not have to be. We can we can do ministry because we get to, not because we have to. How long you two been married now? 25 years, going on 26 on June 18th. You see how quick I rattled that out there, though, right? Yeah, I heard. Good job. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if my wife can spit that out that quick. She might have to think about it a little bit, but I'd be thinking oh, about see, it. See, don't do that to her. She probably <laughs> put the time to, and everything else to jumble down that aisle and jump that broom. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, how can people contact you? Yeah, uh, you know, we, the best way is uh, montelandkristen.com. That's the best way. And if they want to uh, go to Montel at MontelandKristen.com or Kristen at MontelandKristen.com, that, that's the way to email us. Uh, I'm on IG, uh, uh, Instagram at uh, Mr. Jordan 1911. That's for my fraternity cap alpha psi. And that's M-R-J-O-R-D-A-N 1911 on Instagram or Montel and Kristen on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, uh, we are Montel and Kristen. Or they can go to uh, Montel Music uh, on Facebook and uh, on Twitter. I'm uh, Mr. Jordan. I'm sorry, on Twitter, I'm Montel Jordan uh, on Twitter. So from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, those are the best ways to reach us. Or, you know, you can look me up because we're very, very uh, involved in our church at, uh, at Victory Church uh, in Norcross, Georgia. And y'all have sermons online, too. Absolutely. Yeah, we have a Victory app. Uh, at victoryatl.com. You can go there. You can hear my past messages and messages and things that will probably be coming up in the future as well. Okay. Here's the last question. You ready? I'm ready. Here's the thing. In my defense, I ask this question to everybody, so don't be thinking that this is me trying to be funny, all right? All right, I got you. Uh Uh-huh. If you could have any song be your theme song when you walked into a room, what would it be and why? <laughs> any song, what would it be and why? I have never heard that question before in my 51 years of life. Um, but I would, <laughs> and see, that's just, uh, that's kind of a grimy question because I got a hit that's, that's lasted for a quarter century right now uh, that kind of is the song when I step into a room. Uh, but I think I really, <laughs> this is not my favorite song, but I, I can hear when I walk into a room, uh, is it Cal- DJ Khaled? Uh, all I do is win, win, win. No what. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I flipped that song uh, in church a while ago and I said, uh, we be worshiping in, in no matter what. Got Jesus on my mind and my Jesus is enough. The Holy Ghost step up in the building. Everybody hands go up. And they stay there. And they stay there. And they stay there up, down, up, down, up, down. Because we be worshiping in, in, And if you're a Christian, throw your hands in the air. Let them stay there. 
So that would be my theme song. I re-recorded. I dropped it like that. <laughs> okay. And just let you know, whole time, my hands was up. All right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, 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 so much for doing this. I feel more than honored and blessed. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. You have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I am forever grateful for you taking your time out of your busy schedule. And I know I say that a lot, but to talk to a little bit of me and to share with the world how God brought you through. And I mean it, you guys need to get his book, Becoming Unfamous. You really do. It is such a good read. I've read it several times and each time I got something different from it. And also get the book that him and his wife written together. It's not that often that you see couples do things like that, especially being together as long as they have, going through the trials that they have. It's a must read. And if you would like to be a Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see if we can do with this thing. And as I told you, each show, better and better and better. You gotta hit that subscription button so you won't miss a thing. And as always, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.